Thank you, Lord, that I'm ready to receive message number two. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I, I thought today I would do a teaching on the human will. I realize that I have never heard any preacher, myself included, ever preach about the human will. I've heard a lot of sermons about God's will. So there are more than 4,600 references in the Bible to the will. You say, how do you know, Pastor Peter? Did you sit down and count them one by one? No, I'm too busy for that. But I can take the concordance and I can count one page and then I multiply how many pages there are. Willful, willing, unwilling. And most of those references in the Bible are not talking about God's will, as important as that is. It's talking about our will, the human will. How do we define the human will? The will is the faculty of the mind that selects at the moment of decision one desire among the various desires present. So I can say with certainty that all of you here this morning are here because you want to be here. That's why you're here. Now, some of you might say, well, well, I, I didn't really want to come. I didn't want to come. Uh, but, 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 uh, in fact, I said, I don't want to go. Uh, but then somebody offered you lunch after the service. So after all, you change your will as new facts were, uh, were added. So you came because you wanted to. I mean, we wish everybody would come just because you love the Lord so much. Hopefully that's many of you. Others come because you love Pastor Nathan Thurber so much. That's a good reason. Others come because your friend is going to be there. And some came because you were bride with lunch. Nevertheless, they didn't have to drag you by your toenails to get you out the door. You are here because among all the possible desires to sleep in, to do this and to do that, you chose to be here today. You activated your will. Now, here is our key point. My will, my human will in sync, in alignment with God's will means maximum life. Let's say that together. My will in sync with God's will means maximum life. Now, the human will is from God. You know, in the Bible, God exhibits, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, exhibits great willpower. Angels have a will. Evil powers have a will. We have tremendous power. We have a power deep within to make decisions, whether you go right or you go left. You know, in a natural birth situation, they say the baby wills its way out of the womb. It's not just being pulled out. It wills its way out. And if you ever want to see the human will, take a look at a two-year-old toddler screaming, kicking, yelling to show, I have a will. I have a will and testing yours. Now, our will is completely ours. God doesn't violate your will, and the devil can't. In the story, uh, Jesus' sermon on the wedding feast, he says like this in Matthew 22, verse 3. He sent out his servants to call those who had been invited to the wedding, and they were unwilling to come. So 
the master here is God and he's inviting and they say, we, we are not willing. And, and it's, there's no action on the master's behalf to say, well, willing or not, I'm going to have my way. You see, God doesn't do coercion. God doesn't force us to love, to forgive, to participate, to pray. God doesn't make us do something that we don't want to do. God doesn't force us to surrender. In the story of the prodigal son, you remember how he came home. There were hugs and kisses from the father. But then the older brother, who is a picture of self-righteous religion, he didn't want to enter the party. You remember that? And the father sent out, said, come on, come on in. This is for you. And it says in Luke 15, 28, about the older brother, he became angry and was not willing to go in. Not, not, it's not that the father says, well, I'm going to have my way because I'm, I'm the almighty. And you know, he wasn't willing. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but, but you were unwilling. He's saying, I, I wanted to love you. I wanted to help you. I wanted to be there for you. I wanted to protect you. I wanted you to participate in, in, in the provision and the abundance that I had for you. But, but you were not willing. You see how God respects the human will? God will never force us to participate in his abundance. Here's, here's something else. Your will, your human will may be the strongest part of your personality. See, sometimes we think, well, my emotions got the best of me. Because we can kind of the emotions, we cry and we laugh and we get all giddy and all that. And so we think, but, but maybe, possibly, it's your will that controls your emotions. Others say, well, I don't have the right education. Well, maybe it was your will that got in the way from getting that education. You know, the human will is so powerful that hypnosis won't work unless you submit your mind and your will to another person's will. Now, once you submit that, that other person's will can prevail on you. And that, that's how it works. You see, when we invite people to receive Jesus Christ, we, we appeal to the will. Whosoever will, let him come and take the waters of life freely. You know, we don't just say, do you feel like it? Are you excited about coming to the Lord? Are you, we say, are you, are you willing? Are you willing? You know, our will is an instrument by which we direct our lives. We can, we can be willing to follow God or walk away from God. We, we, we're willing to forgive someone, to be dedicated to, I'm going to be sold out. I'm going to, I'm going to be loyal to this cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the human will is a decision maker. And sometimes we say, I don't want to make a decision. That's also an exercise of the will. So a non-decision is actually a decision. You know, when the Lord called me, I was in my teenage years and God called me to ministry. He didn't say, Peter, do you feel like it? Do you feel like dedicating yourself to, 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 to give the gospel to millions of people around the world? Are you, are you excited about it, Peter? He never asked me that either. He only asked me, are you willing? And I said, I will. And that makes all the difference. I, I, come to think, of, he never asked me if I was excited about it. Sometimes he tried to help me to be more excited, but, 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 but he never asked me if I was excited. He was asking, are, are you willing? 
You know, sin happens or starts in the will. It's something interesting. It says in 1 Timothy 2.14, it says about Adam, Adam was not deceived. In other words, Adam was mentally informed. He knew what he was doing, but he didn't activate his will. He made a choice with his will. You see, a strong Christian life. How many know what a, how many want a strong Christian life? I can say a strong Christian life is a life where our will is yielded to God. You know, even, you know, Pastor Nathan just shared a little bit about the offering. We always take two, three minutes to talk about our economical stewardship before God and biblical economics. And if you think of the teaching, that the Apostle Paul gives about that. So many things that we share a lot about it. You know, he that gives bountifully receives bountifully. You know, he that sows bountifully reaps bountifully. You know, all that. That's all great stuff. But in the beginning of that, Paul says, if there first be a willing mind. You know, the first thing we've got to clear out. Do you have a willing mind? I mean, Pastor Nathan could be preaching here till the cows come home. He could be praying and fasting and laying hands on his notes. And he could be praying for illustrations that would move our hearts. But if we're not willing, we can just sit there and say, well, I just think what I think. I just think what I think. I got hurt once. I'm, I'm mad. I'm, we, we can just sit wherever we want. So Paul says, first, there's got to be a willing mind. Everybody say willing mind. Now, good things from God happen in our will. You know, God is interested in our will. Are you willing? You know, if you're willing, you can receive it. Whosoever will, let him come. Are you willing? Can I hear a yes if you're willing? Okay, that's my first point. How am I doing on the first point? Are you with me? We have a will. Do you feel it deep inside? Come on. Have you been wondering what that power is in you? You have great willpower. You see, the difference between us adults and a two-year-old kicking and screaming and yelling is we just learned how to hide it better. <laughs> but we still have willpower. Now, Jesus demonstrates the human will yielded to God. The most famous scripture verse probably is Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42 in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where Jesus is praying, Father... If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Here you have Jesus, as far as what he was feeling and sensing, he wanted to get out of it. But he says, I'm, I'm willing to yield my will. I'm willing to bow my will to the Father's will. In Luke 6, 38, one of many verses, Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own Will, he's speaking of his human will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, there's an interesting story. I love this story, and you're familiar with it probably in John chapter 4. So let me just recap it rather than reading the whole story. We don't think of this story as having anything to do with God's will, maybe, or we think about it in a different way. But, but let me show you how it has to do with God's will. So what happens there? Jesus comes to Samaria. Now, Samaria was a kind of a province that everybody looked down upon. Those people are bad. They're sinners. They're demon-possessed people. They're bad people. But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. So he came there, and he came to the city of Samaria, and he was a little tired, so he sat down by the well. You remember the story? And then there came a woman. 
And she was like a typical Canadian woman, full of opinions. I mean, she's one of the most opinionated people in the whole Bible. I mean, I always smile when I read John 4 because I think here is the light of the world. The one who has living water is sitting there and he hardly, he, Jesus, hardly gets to say a word because she's just talking the whole time. Have you ever felt like that when you try to share the gospel with somebody? What about this? How old is the earth? What about this? Well, I feel condemned. I went to church once. How come there's so many hypocrites? And you say, like, I just can only handle one question a minute. You say, and see, that's how she was. So be encouraged. She was full of opinions. And Jesus is introducing to her the idea that he has living water. Well, she just takes off on that and she begins to discuss her father, the great father Jacob, who lived eight centuries before that and how he dug the well and he brought the cattle there and and he doesn't have a buck. It just was on and on and on and on. Now, while this is going on, where are Jesus' disciples? The Bible tells us they went shopping. You can see where this is going. They had gone shopping. That they just left him there, and he's talking to this woman. And one of the most profound conversations and most helpful examples, they have gone shopping. Wow. Could that ever be a temptation in Toronto when God is doing something, is trying to, you go, so, so anyhow, the story goes on. Eventually, Jesus then gives a kind of a, a word of the spirit to that woman and, and, and she realizes he knows she's been married five times and she probably gave up on marriage and she's saying five times is enough. You know, Larry King married seven times, but she says five is enough. And then she says, you know, uh, you know, what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth, what was that actress? Uh, you know, anyhow, forget, I forgot the name now. Uh, 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 she says, I'm just going to live with this guy. And so that kind of drops a bombshell in the whole thing. Where are the disciples? They're shopping, missing the whole thing. And, and, and so then, you know, she recognizes, oh, Jesus, you're, you're great. And, and then after the whole thing has happened, then he says in verse 27, the, the disciples came. They were amazed that he spoke with a woman. Just the first thing they could think about. He's speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Why do you speak with her? See, nobody was asking the right questions. They were too caught up in their own world. They were too caught up in the, in the instant gratification. We got to go shopping. We got to get food. We got to have our pretzels. We got to have our hamburgers. They, 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 you know, God does. If you want to know God's will, learn to ask questions. Nobody asks any questions. Why are you doing this? They just had their preconceived ideas. You know, asking, asking God questions is a good thing. Gideon said, where are all the miracles? Mary said, how is this going to happen? It's not wrong to ask God questions. Do you ever ask God questions? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Sometimes I go up to people and say, what's your life's purpose? Sometimes I've done this so many times and say, oh, don't ask me that again. Because people don't want to think. But I think about that. Do, do you have a purpose for your life? Are you here for a reason? Well, you're not sure? You must be all first-time visitors if you're not sure. Uh, how many know that you have a purpose? Come on. You, you know that you're here for a reason? You're not an accident? Come on now. Ask those questions. Say, God, show me more. So, so then, 
Then the whole city, because the woman takes off with her water pot, and, and, and she goes to be like a minister in that city, and it doesn't take long while the disciples are still befuddled. The whole city is coming towards Jesus. But it's like they are oblivious. So, so what do the disciples do? Verse 31, they said, the disciples urged him while the city is coming towards him. Rabbi, eat. Eat. Where's the food? I'll be having a kitchen outside. Have the, I'll be having pizza after church. When is it happening? He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, no one brought him food, did they? You see, they seem to be, it's like strangers in the night. Ships passing in the night. They're in the same river, but they're not connecting. You say, what's this got to do with the will of God? The next verse is where Jesus introduces that there's something here about God's will because he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus is saying, out of this, what's happening for our benefit, reading John 4, we can say there's something here about God's will yeah, it's about the woman. It's about the Samaritan woman. It's about eternal life. But there's something here about God's will. And it seems the disciples are out of touch. They, they, they're, they're, asking, they're not asking the right questions. It, it seems they're just wanting instant gratification. They just, you could say about those disciples, I, I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what Jesus is doing. I want what I want. But Jesus says, here's how God's will work. And how my will works in sync with God, the Father's will. He says, it's food to me. It's appetite. I want to ask you, do you have an appetite for wanting to do God's will? I mean, that's, that's a good first step. I have an appetite. You know, and then Jesus says, it's food to me. You know what I've discovered? I am miserable without food. Have you noticed that? You know, Tyna and I, we have just almost about, about a perfect marriage. You know, we, we don't fight. But if there's a little tension ever. I can just feel it in the air. I say to her, I said, I think I'm hungry. And I said, are you hungry? She says, yeah, I'm hungry too. And then we just grab something and then pieces back. So it, we, did, we thought we should pray for the fruit of the spirit, you know, but we just needed a little something in our mouth. Have you noticed that? Come anybody else like that? Or is it just us to get a low, low sugar level or whatever? Anybody else? Nobody wants to admit anything. Okay, I'll let you pass. I, I, I'm just saying food it's nice. You sit down. It takes away the misery out of your soul. You thought you needed prayer. You just needed a piece of pizza out here. But Jesus said, see, to do the will of the Father keeps me contented, keeps me joyous. See, willpower. It seems the disciples didn't use their will in a powerful way. You know how we define, define willpower? Willpower is the discipline of resisting short-term gratification in order to meet long-term goals. So some, uh, maybe you're a young person, you go to university right now, and you see all your friends that graduated uh, from high school with you, they got a nice car, they get a big salary, you're traveling transit, you barely can pay for that, but you know what? You're saying, I don't need it instantly. I'm preparing myself, and one day I'll cash in. 
That's willpower. Come on, anybody, anybody willing to do that? Sometimes, you know, sometimes, and, and I don't mean to pick on shopping because we all need to shop a little bit, but some people have a shopping demon and, and the shopping demon is keeping you from getting that condominium that you could have bought five years ago and, and all those credit cards. So I say, snip, 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 snip. Get rid of them. You being worried, you can't even pick up the phone. Which creditor is calling? That's not the will of God. Your human will got you into that problem, but get in sync with God's will and get out of it. Come on, come on now, come on. Nudge somebody and say, I hope he's not talking to you. <laughs> Have you heard of something the Bible calls flesh? Flesh. <laughs> Well, flesh just means that. The, the, the flesh is this, this, this instant gratification. I want it now. rather. But, but, but with God, you understand there is a preparation time. You see, the gospel is not just the power to give you miracles and to take you to heaven, but it's power to live in God's will. It's power to live a life that's abundant, that maximum, where your will is yielded to God's will for your best life. Amen. Then in the next verse, I'm keeping this in context. So I believe it's connected. Verse 35 comes the famous verse. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look in the fields for they're white to the harvest. So here could be another hindrance to God's will because Jesus is talking about God's will. Uh, he's saying you, you, your head is in the future. You don't see the now. You don't see today. I think this can be a temptation. You know, some Christians, I don't know so much in our church, but some Christians, they always talk about the great revival that God's going to send. I call it revival talk. And they have this, you know, someday in the future, everything is going to be so beautiful. The church is going to be so united and we're all going to love one another and we're going to hold hands all the time and, and we're all, oh, it's going to be something in the future. They, they're great dreamers. Obviously, they don't know anything about the Bible. I mean, have you, you say, yeah, we're going to go back to the book of Acts. Everybody love one another. Really? Barnabas and Paul split up. The widows were complaining because they got no coffee beans delivered to their home. Uh, there's all kinds of fighting and there's all kinds of things going on. People are thrown in prison. You know, we have this picture of, of some spiritual revival in the book of Acts when they're all doing kumbaya. Oh yes, it's also, I feel goosebumps. You feel goosebumps. We all feel goosebumps. No, you know what it is? It's a spiritual awakening and there's all kinds of people. Some of them are carnal, some are more mature. You have all mixed in a big soup. And we're never going to have anything different. So quit living in. People say, oh, you know, I, I believe God is about to do something. He's about. He, some people, he's always about. Just, just, just about to start it. Just, just about to launch it. It's just going to kick off any moment now. And a year later, oh, yeah, God is about to. He's, he's about to do something. And Jesus is saying, you keep saying that four months from now, but, but right now, right now, now, and I want to say this Sunday morning, right now, God is here right now. We're not waiting for a move of God next Wednesday or next Sunday or two weeks from now. Or God is here now. 
God is moving now. He, he's now present. If you need healing, there's health for you now. If you need new life, there's new life for you now. In fact, in fact, everybody stand. I'm not done preaching, but I'm free to interrupt my own preaching at will here. So just stand up for a moment. Right now, our society by and large, I'm getting to the most important point in this, is gripped with fear. And I don't mean we should not regard viruses and things, but there's like a fear gripping people. My friend, that fear doesn't belong to us. Lift your hand right now. Father, I thank you that now, I thank you that now you are God, our healer. You are God, our physician. You are the God in the now. We're not waiting for next Sunday or next month. We thank you that you are the health of my life. You are the strength of my life. I thank you for healing and life now. Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a big praise. Give him a big praise. All right. So, so okay, I, I got to hurry. You may be seated. Skip that verse I had the next. It's too much. I was almost glad to have more verses than time. So let me get to the third point. God works his will in our will if we are willing. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Say that. God works his will in our will if we are willing. See, that's why I say the maximum life is my will in sync with God's will. And it's not difficult. People say it's so difficult. David said, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Philippians 2.12, my favorite verse, it says, it says God works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is at work in your will. But how? Everybody say how. You know, I'm not a preacher that always try to find like five steps or five keys or three keys. In fact, I think that's vastly overdone. Because there's a lot of things in God that are experiences with God, not just you tick off one, two, three, four, five, but there just so happens to be a scripture verse on this topic of our will being aligned with God's will, where it just goes one, two, three, four, five. Are you with me? So can I go to that verse right now? Do I have your attention? Romans chapter 12 and verse one. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We could put it in simpler language that you may figure out, you may see. If you just kind of do this, what it says right here, you will see what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it's just, it's just obviously five things here. So I'm going to give you five things. And for all the people who like to take notes of five things, here's your chance. Number one, to know God's will, we must know his mercy. I beseech you by the mercies of God. I submit to you, if we don't discover God's mercy, we will never understand God's will. We will misinterpret it. You know, Jesus said, I don't want sacrifice, I want mercy. Religion is so much about the sacrifice. What, what sacrifice are you bringing to the temple? Are you bringing a turtle dove? Are you bringing a heifer? Are you bringing a lamb? It's all about the outward. And Jesus says, it's not about that. 
It's about that God wants to give mercy to people. You know, we live in a society where there's a great lie about God. There's a great lie pervading the land about God. There's a distortion. People have projected, religious people have projected their own shame and guilt and regret onto God, making God look like a vengeful judge. Sin has darkened people's minds so they don't know who God is. We have, we have made God into some kind of a pagan deity that is angry and we need to put him in a good mood and we say, well, that's everything is just so that God will not be angry and God will not, you know, take revenge on us. My friend, God has never had an ax to grind with you. You know, when Jesus did died on the cross, he didn't reconcile God to us. He reconciled us to God. That's a big difference. Why didn't Jesus reconcile his father? Because many preachers, they preach as if Jesus reconciled Father God to us. But it doesn't say that because Father God had no ax to grind with us. Even in your most stupid, stupid sin, God wasn't out to step on you. He, even when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't say, I'm going to change my mind. I used to love those people, but I'm going to give it to them now. So Jesus didn't reconcile God to us. He reconciled us to God. We were the ones who had our noses out of joint. We were the ones who had an ax to grind. Yet people feel they have this pagan view of God that, you know, we have to just, if we don't worship enough, if we don't do enough, then then God's not going to look favorable upon us. My friend, that is Christless religion. We need to put Christ back in Christianity. And when you put Christ back in Christianity, God doesn't look like a pagan, angry deity. He looks just like Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth and mercy and love. And so that's the first. Then, then think about that because otherwise people come up with the strangest ideas what God's will is. If we don't know, it's all rooted in his mercy. Then present yourself available to God. That's a reasonable thing. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's your reasonable service. You say, Lord Jesus, look through my eyes. Touch through my hands. Pray through my lips. I I surrender my mind to you. Sometimes I've asked God to do that. I say, God, help me to see people like you see them. Not, Not just people. It's people coming and going. But to see people. Uh, Present yourself. And then, number three, don't be conformed, but transformed. I mean, don't do it. Don't be conformed. Emphatically, I say unto thee, do not adjust yourself to this age thinking. Uh, you, You know, we live in an age of spiritual blindness. There's a prince of darkness. There's a mindset in, in the world in which we live. But we are in this age. We are in this age of this mindset, but we are not of this mindset. 
So when the whole world is running scared, we say, yeah, we are in this age where media can drum people into a frenzy in no time at all. And we are in this world, in this age, but I'm not of this age. I'm on a different age because he who is of the age to come, Jesus Christ, he entered this age. The truth, capital T, truth, life, and the way Jesus entered this age of lies and deception and distortion and I am aligned with him. I see things the way he sees them. And so I'm here. I don't walk around complaining, oh, oh, it's so bad in this world. No, you're here and you're all jolly about it. You say, oh, there's so much swearing at my workplace. Good, I'm glad you're there. Good that you're there. Thank God you're there. Thank God that you So well the church ought to do something when well, you're there. You're the church. So so thank God you're there. Isn't that beautiful? When all those dirty jokes and all that swearing and all that thing, and you are there. The bright little light, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. You're there. You're from a different age. You're from the age to come. You have already tasted the powers of the world to come. You're a partaker of a divine life, but you're here now. You're in it, but not of it. In it to influence, not to walk around saying, oh, oh, I just hope I can make it through. No, you're here to be an influence, to shine, to speak, to love. Oh, come on. This is good news. So don't be a chameleon. Don't conform. Don't walk around like a coward. Say, you know, I, don't want to, I just don't want to be noticed. You want to be noticed. So put on your biggest smile on the subway. And people say, what are you grinning about? And say, I've been waiting to tell you. Okay. And so, so here you have five, five steps. It's not often you hear a five-stepper from, from Peter Youngren. But uh, so, so know his mercy. Present yourself available. Don't be conformed, conformed by be transformed. Renew your mind. Start thinking like the way I'm talking. You know, the, the Greek word phronema. It means mind. It's how we construct our thoughts. It's the conclusions we reach. We all read the same newspaper. We all hear the same news. We all get influences from the same social media. The question is, what do we do with it? How do we handle that? Well, Jesus gave us a clue how he handled it. In Hebrews 10, 7, it says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus says, I want my will to be synced with my Father's. And I'm going to start written, looking in the book. And especially now, look at Jesus himself. Look at Jesus. He is the word of God. And you'll find out who you are. You know, so renew our mind about God. First of all, renew our mind about God. Discard this distorted, marginalized, petty, angry, vindictive God who hurls judgments at people at will, almost joyfully, and say, no, Jesus represents the Father who said, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness have I drawn you. Change your mind. You I want to encourage you. Some of you are on social media. Check out what you're posting. I see some strange postings from people I know. I hope you're not thinking. That's my only thing I can say. 
Know what you believe. Renew your mind. Somebody say amen. amen. Then see yourself. Get renewed about seeing yourself instead of seeing yourself as this self-conscious victim, condemned, poor me. You say, no, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of another age, of another, of another kingdom. His life is in me. See your past with a renewed mind instead of seeing it with anger. I was ripped off and, you know, there were so many expectations and people let me down. Instead, you renew your mind and says, well, bless God, God took me through. He took me through hell and high water. Here I am. God made a way. I didn't bow. I didn't bend. I didn't burn. Here I am. And I, oh, thank God. And the future, instead of looking at it with, with fear and trepidation, you say, I look at it with confidence. Yeah, they, 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 I, I, whether if, I, if I'm on earth, it's good. If I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. I tell you, I'm a winner either way. I'm a winner either way. You, you renew your thinking and then you be, number five, transformed, metamorphosized. You know, out of that, caterpillar comes the butterfly but the butterfly was in there all the time even when they looked like a caterpillar worm there was a butterfly inside and there is a butterfly inside of you there is something good inside of you something beautiful something good all your pain and heartache and disappointment he understood and he makes something beautiful out of your life you morphed into this person. And, and, and then you'll know that perfect and acceptable will of God. And you can say, well, my, my will is in sync with God's will. And I feel nourished. I have an appetite for it. I feel strengthened. You know, have you ever thought in the Bible, I'm going to finish with this, just two stories that we all know when Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda, there's a man who has been lame for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? He said, Jesus, come on, is that your best question? <laughs> the guy's been waiting for 38 years. He's been sitting here because sporadically now and then some healing happens here and he's hoping to get, you know, the lucky number or something. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Notice how Jesus is respecting his will. I've met people who don't want to be healed. I, I was in Canada. I'm talking about, we were praying. I was having some series of meetings in the church. And there were so many people healed that I went down to pray for one woman. She said, don't pray for me. She says, I want my sickness because that's how I have my pension. She said, please don't pray. So at least, at least she, had, she had faith that God was going to do something if I prayed for her. So I said, okay, okay, I'm backing off. I'm backing off. I, I don't want to, you know, we're not trying to try to make it, you know, it, it's all right. And I, I, I was kind of taken aback, but I thought, well, you know, at least I got to give her for, for being honest. Do you want it? He said, well, I, you make it sound too simple. Could, could it be that, that God, you say, I want God's will. And preachers talk about this is God's will. And I could quote, you know, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ concerning you. This is the will of God, your sanctification. There are lots of things about God's will. But that's not my focus. My focus is your will. 
And Jesus says to that man, what do you want? And then where the blind beggar is sitting by the road and he cries out, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Could have thought, well, couldn't Jesus guess it? He's blind, he's a beggar, and he's shouting for mercy. Couldn't Jesus connect the dots? You say, well, I would have been able to connect the dots. I would have just said a good prayer for him. But Jesus says, what do you want? Amazing how God respects our will. God respects your will. Do you want to enjoy God's best? Do you want to enjoy God's provision? Do you want to prosper with God? Do you want to experience God's power? You say, well, I, I, just, I just want whatever God wants. Well, he's saying, what do you want? Because if you want it, you can have it. Because God is here right now. This is beautiful. So, you know, I try to be careful not to appeal to emotion so much that we just have like an emotional uh, strawberry milkshake or something every Sunday. You know, it's like an emotional flowing over. Even when I invite people to come to Christ, I try to say, if you want to, this is available to you. I, I try not to tell any stories about somebody just died and somebody was hit by the bus. I try not to stir emotions because, you know, if, if, if you respond to Christ because you feel emotionally something, then chances are you'll walk away two hours later when the emotions waft away. So I appeal to your will. Do you want the new life? Do you want to know your sins are forgiven? Do you want to come to Christ? he's willing and we read some were invited and they just weren't willing the older brother wasn't willing he was upset about something he was angry he was, he was uptight I don't know he's angry at his brother angry at his father I don't know who he's angry at. he's just angry he says I don't, I don't want to there was nothing the father could do so let's just give everybody an opportunity now you saw what happened in Indonesia just tens of thousands of people night after night coming to Christ and even there, because people get caught up in so many people, thousands of people running. So I understand that. So even there, I try to be, you know, just, just if you want to come. And I say to people, if you don't want to come, I still love you. I'm not mad at you. I said, I'm not frowning at you. I'll even pray for you. But if you don't want to come, I'll still pray for you. Because I don't want them to feel any undue pressure. But if you want to, whosoever will, let him come and take it. Let's everybody bow our head right now. If you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, that, that you have received the new life, or if you say, I think I've drifted away from it, I need to be restored to God. But you're willing to, 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 to just take that step while every head is bowed. And before I pray, I want to ask you to give me a signal by lifting your hand. Lift it way up high if you say, I want to receive. Lift your hand way up high. I want to receive new life. Lift it up. Let me see where you are. God bless you over here. Another person over here, another one there. Who else? Lift it up. I'm looking across the whole room. God bless you over here. Beautiful. Let's all stand together. I want to pray two prayers before we go home. So this is the first one. Everybody stand. I saw hands right over here. Uh, not as many as sometimes, but if, if there was one, there were several today. One person would be well worth the whole prayer. Isn't that right? Let's all pray together. Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Lord, I'm willing. I know that you're willing. You've been willing for a long time. You put away my sins. Jesus died for me. But Lord, I'm willing to receive. Come and live in me. I turn from self-righteousness. I receive Christ's righteousness. And I 
confess today, Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Lift your hand, take 10 seconds and just praise and thank God. Come on, let's give a big clap for Jesus. Let's give a big clap for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for new life. We give you praise. Now, for those of you who lifted your hands,